This is episode 127. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hey everyone, welcome. I'm Siope, your host here at uh, the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I am so excited to be talking about this issue that a lot of parents are facing. And in fact, it's one that every parent has experienced throughout their time as being a parent. I don't think I've ever heard one parent ever say this has never happened to them. But it's what do you do when you love your child, but you don't like your child? Now, let me explain. It sounds contradictory, but a lot of times we love our children. We would do anything for them. And yet their behaviors are so bad in the home that we just struggle to like them. We don't like them. And this is not uncommon. In fact, a lot of parents experience this. We do. We love our children. But sometimes their behaviors drive us crazy. They make us nuts. And so I'm going to be talking today about what you do when you love your child, but you don't like your child by helping you know exactly where to put your focus things that you can do, and then addressing the child's behavior. So there's a couple of things that we will be discussing today, and I will be going through each of those. So again, the three things I want you to be able to walk away with at the end of this podcast is one, what parents can do. Two, how you can focus or what you should be focused on. And three, how to address the child's behavior. Now, I'm going to use the example of a family that's in coaching, Janet and Ray. They have four children, two girls, two boys. One has ADHD, and it's the girl, the oldest daughter. She has ADHD, and she's struggling. So when they're in their home environment, she acts out. She starts to pick fights. She doesn't work with anyone. Whenever they're trying to have quiet time, she's disruptive. And her parents understand this is part of what they're dealing with because she has ADHD. However, it affects everyone else in the family, and particularly it affects Ray. Ray struggles with this because he loves his daughter, and yet he doesn't like his daughter's behavior. It it drives him crazy. So while I was working with Janet and Ray, we started to talk and delve deeper into some of the issues that were happening in the home. And this is what happens when you're coaching a family. And what I had to do is talk to them about what they can do as parents, because a child is going to behave the way they're going to behave. So let's go over topic number one. What can parents do? What can parents actually do when they love their child, but they don't like their child's behavior, and they're starting to feel the frustration build over time? What can you do? As I've always said, parents have a lot more flexibility and latitude in what they can do to address what is happening around them. What I wanted them to do is establish a structure inside their home of something that they can do without reacting. Now, this is where a lot of parents struggle because what they do is wait until the situation arises and then they begin to address it. I'm asking Janet and Ray to really come up with a plan, plan on what they can do in order to prepare for these situations, because we know that they're going to continue. So what they can do, 
Ray and Janet decided to discuss this back and forth, and they came up with the conclusion that when Ray needed to tap out, the term they use in wrestling, he would just let Janet know with a code word, meaning I just need to go take a breath and I will come back. And so they could tag team this way back and forth with each other. Now, I know this isn't practical for a lot of parents. Some parents are doing this by themselves. And, you know, some parents are with their children all day while their spouse is not at home. So, but for Janet and Ray, this was the idea is Ray could step away just for a little bit. And we set up a structure of how much time you could step away and then come back into the system. Now, if you're dealing with issues like this and you are a parent doing it by yourself, you have to set up your own structure that works for you. And if you need to step away in order to catch a breath and really collect yourselves and think about what is happening and really get into space where you can address these behaviors, you need to do that. That needs to be part of the structure that you establish in the way that you are going to engage with your child when they're having the negative behaviors. Now, in the situation with Janet and Ray, I also talked to them about what's happening in the home when these types of behaviors are occurring. And remember, they have four kids, two girls, two boys, and they mentioned that the boys would giggle and laugh and they would, you know, pay attention to what's happening. So part of our structure in the environment and this is, again, what parents can do, is I ask them to have the children, who are, the other children who are there, to leave the room. Now, I'm, I'm asking them to do this because when they leave a child in there with an audience and the other kids are responding in a positive way, it will undermine what you're doing as a parent. So having the other children removed from the situation removes the audience and this temptation to perform. Sometimes kids like that performance aspect of acting out. They act out because they can see they're getting a response, not from you, but from other kids, that is reinforcing for them to continue to do that. So the idea that they had in their home was they were going to have a code word. And when Janet or Ray said the code word, the, all the children would go in their rooms and wait while they addressed the behavior with the problem child. So this removed the audience. Now, again, this is part of what parents can do to establish something in the home in order to work with them. Now, Janet and Ray had to role play this with their kids first so they understood what to do when they heard the code word. They would say the code word. They practiced this in the home. The kids would go into their rooms and they would wait there until the parents came and called them in and they could all be together again. What this did also is it allowed Janet and Ray the opportunity to focus in on the behavior. Now, if you're worried on whether or not the other kids feel like they're left out because they're focusing so much time, what we did with Janet and Ray is we had one parent working with their child who was struggling, the behaviors, and the other one checking in on the kids every once in a while. And you can do that as a parent, even if you're a single parent, you can deal with the individual behavior in the room, start to de-escalate that, and still go around and check in on the other children. And then once everybody is in a state where everything is more calm and relaxed, bring everybody back together and you can celebrate. Celebrate the idea that the kids were able to follow through with the instruction and that things are back to normal and things are calm. Now, initially, when we established this with Janet and Ray, it was going to take some time for them to get used to it because it's a new structure. 
but I did want them to focus on that, establishing it up front. Now, again, you're going to have to do work up front in order to get the payoff later. This is like planting a garden. You plant your seeds and you nurture them and you work with them and then you have a lot for harvest. So really have that mindset that when you're establishing an environment in your home that you're focused on teaching to your child, you're focused on helping your child de-escalate, those you're going to remove an audience, you're going to be sure that you're in a good state, right? So super, super important that you are as a parent, in a good state to deal with the negative behaviors. Now, that's the first part. Establish some rules around what you're going to do beforehand. You want to be able to do this beforehand. You don't want to wait until situations arise to deal with them because what that does is it causes more stress, and that is going to be regulated by your mood. If you are in a bad mood, and something pops up, you're going to address it in the bad mood. It also takes up some of your bandwidth, your ability to really do things and focus on what's happening. So you want to make it as easy as possible for yourself as a parent to deal with these things rather than thinking on the spot and being expected to perform a miracle. So establish some rules If my child acts out, and this is the question you should be asking yourself, if my child acts out, what can I do in order to stabilize the environment? Now, for Janet and Ray, they had to do some self-evaluation of where they are emotionally, and so they could approach it in a calm state. They also removed the audience. We started with two things And then we will continually add on some things that they can do to calm down the environment as well. So I did receive a message from Janet. She's like, okay, so we've done this and it's working and this is great. What else can we do? And I said, okay, one other thing that I want you to do um, in your home is while you guys are working with uh, your child who's struggling, put on some calm music, okay? Or you can lower or dim the lights. Now, you're probably wondering why we're doing this. Now, again, we're creating an environment that is inviting the child to calm down. Music is a very powerful trigger for their child. They 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 put headphones on, and she likes that. Now, again, I'm tailor-fitting this in the coaching session, so this will meet their needs, and it also feeds into the strengths of their child. But music is something that they use to help her calm down. So. Have music available. Dim the lights, because when you dim the lights, it kind of is this trigger for your body to to relax and settle down and calm down. So these are some of the things that we put in. Now, is this what I would recommend for every parent to do? No, I would do some evaluation into your child. I would find out what are the things you're currently doing right now in order to help your child. And we would work on implementing these techniques with what you're already doing that's working. Every child is different. And again, if you haven't listened to um, podcast episode 125, I highly suggest you go back and listen to it because that talks about skills being the solution. We can teach you techniques. And then the artistic side comes from you as a parent in implementing how this is going to work with your child. And I can help with that if I have enough background. 
So these are some things that you can do as a parent as you prepare. Okay, so it's super important that you are teaching your children right in a calm state. You're being sure that the environment is conducive to you helping your child de-escalate these negative behaviors. And this is for their child who picks fights with other kids in the home and doesn't work with anyone and always is seeking attention. We're addressing those issues, right? Now, we're going to be talking about how parents can focus their own attentions on what is happening in the home and also addressing the child's behavior. What are you going to do when they're full-blown out having problems? Now, it's interesting that we're talking about focusing for parents during this podcast because focus tends to be the issue with ADHD. How do we focus on what needs to happen? When I was speaking with Janet and Ray, Ray, after a while, began to express how frustrated he was because it was built up over time. All the negative behaviors that happened in the past kept happening, and he just felt like he was carrying everything from the past with him into the present. As we started to discuss and explore this idea of carrying everything from the past, I had to have him understand that when you do that, it makes you unable to to move forward in a positive way. And I used an example that I think was very helpful, and I'm going to share it with you. It's like when you're driving in a car, there's a reason that the windshield is so much bigger than your rearview mirror. Your rearview mirror is tiny, and the reason for that is because Where you've been is important, and you can refer to it, but it shouldn't be where you're focusing your attention. You should be focused on the here and now and things that are coming up in the future. Ray, he loves cars. He collects cars, and this made sense to him. He's like, oh, okay. And I said, you don't have to carry anything from the past, because if you are consistently looking in your rearview mirror, you're not going to be able to move forward. So in order to move forward, you have to recognize that what's in the rearview mirror is helpful because it tells you where you've been, but your focus needs to be so much more in the present, where you are now, and where you're headed in the future. Ray got a kick out of that. I got a kick out of it too. But again, this is what happens when I'm coaching somebody is that as I get to know the people that I'm coaching, We're able to customize things in order to make sense of it. And this is the artistic side of parenting. And again, I'm plugging in, if you haven't listened to podcast 125, Skills Are the Solution, because that will help you understand that I'm giving you techniques here through this podcast and how you implement it is the artistic side. This is what customizes it in order to work with you and your family. So how should you focus? Focus on the here and now. Focus on the future. If you're stuck in the past, again, that's going to take up a lot of bandwidth from you. You're going to be stuck. You're going to go, and if you're trying to move forward, it's going to really weigh you down after time. You have to be able to move forward at a speed that is faster than your child is going because you're the one that's guiding them along the way. So keep that in mind, okay? So how do you unload some of that baggage? How do you unload everything that's happened in the past? Well, 
forgiveness. You have to you have to understand that your child is doing the best that they can under the circumstances that they're in. As I explored this with Janet and Ray, we talked about the ADHD diagnosis and they were able to receive the diagnosis and they were grateful for it because it gave them an understanding of what was happening. And then they felt lost again. So they got the diagnosis. They're like, yay, we know what it is. Oh, no, we don't know what to do with it. While they were struggling to work through that, the whole goal was in establishing what can we do in order to help our child move forward. And the focus changed. And I want to be able to let you have the permission to understand that, yeah, you're going to be carrying some things for a while, and it it may change, but you need to be able to be flexible enough to do that. You need to be able to say, okay, we're here now. Where do we need to go? How do we need to unload what is no longer useful for us? You know, I was having this interesting conversation with a friend of mine, and this is me on a tangent with my own ADHD issues. But we were talking about how people hoard things and they keep things that no longer serve them because I am cleaning up my basement. And during our discussion, we had this really interesting insight that we keep things from our past a lot of times because they were useful to us. We tend to want to have things that are useful. But the longer we live, the more we hold on to things that are no longer useful. We keep them. And why do we keep them? And is it nostalgia? Is it we think we're going to need it again? We're, you know, it's kind of really an interesting dynamic. But what happens after time is you have so much stuff that you don't use that you need to buy space to store the stuff because you're adding more stuff. And pretty soon, everything that you have is just, it's stuff that is no longer useful for you. Now, I'm going to use this in the case of Janet and Ray. As their child is growing, they're going to be implementing some things, and we add on, and we move and grow with our children. That's the way it works. And so we're using this right now, and as we continue, we're going to be adding on and adjusting as their child adjusts. That's just the way it works. Parents who are flexible like that are more successful because they can bend. If you're too rigid, too rigid, you're going to crack. I'm just telling you right now, you are going to crack because rigidity doesn't allow for the flexibility for the things that pop up. So be flexible enough. But I thought that was interesting that um, we grow up, we use material things They are useful for us for a time, and sometimes we want to hold on to those things and keep them, but they're no longer useful for us. And so how do we know, you know? So I think next time I talk to Ray, I'm going to have him go through this exercise of evaluating his own things that he has found useful in his past and what he would discard and why he feels an attachment to those things. Because in some ways... These things all blend together in the way that we are. I think that would be a fun exercise. I'll keep you guys posted on that because I think that would be an interesting thing to ask Ray to do. Go through your own things. What are the things you're holding on to? Is it useful? If it's not useful, why do you still have it? And then move on from there. So how to focus. Focus, focus. And that's what I need to do is I need to focus on this podcast. So Those are the two things. We've talked about what parents can do. Establish an environment in your home where you have some specific things that you're going to do to remove your inability to function so you can do so in a calm way. 
You want to do everything that you possibly can to know exactly what to do in those situations. The second thing we talked about is how to focus, which I kind of laugh because I kind of went off focus and now I'm back to focusing on this. But focus in on where you are now and where you are headed. Don't try and drive your car looking in the rearview mirror because you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to be stuck and eventually crash. Pay attention to what's most important, where you are and where you're headed. The things from the past can inform you and they can give you ideas, but they shouldn't be where your focus is, right? Now, we are going to be talking about addressing the child's outburst behaviors in this next part of the podcast. Now, in this case, as I was talking to Janet and Ray, once they establish an environment and they're able to focus in on what they're going to do with everybody in the family in order to maximize their ability to teach to their child, and once we address how they can focus their attention and not bring in the extra baggage, because remember, they love their child, but they don't like their child because of past experiences and everything else that goes on, it's just very difficult for them to work through these behaviors. We're going to address the child's behavior. What can you do? Now, I'm going to give you the technique to address the type of behavior that we are dealing with. Now, is this what I would recommend for every parent? Not necessarily, because tantrums look differently for different kids and for different families. However, this will serve as an example of something that you can try something that you can do, and then you can add your own artistic spin to it to fit the needs of your family and of your child. Now, I had to ask Janet and Ray specifically, what are the behaviors that you are exhibiting? And what happens is, is their child will argue with them, change the subject, wander around the room, and say no. So those are the things that we're dealing with when they are trying to help their child calm down. And this is how the child exhibits their tantrum behavior. Now, again, not every child exhibits tantrum behaviors, but what I did with Janet and Ray is I gave them very specific instructions on how to engage. So we're addressing this child's behaviors. We're just keeping it super, super simple for them. What I asked them to do was to call their child by name and put focus on their child, okay? And we're using the skill of observe and describe. Now, you can find this skill over in the Smarter Parenting website. We have all the skills there. There are lessons. There's videos. There are games and activities that you can use to help your children understand these concepts and for you to learn them. So jump over there to to look at the skill. It's a short video, maybe about four minutes long, of observe and describe. So what I asked them to do, I asked Janet and Ray to say their child's name. Okay, because we respond to our own name, and they're going to observe and describe the behavior. So they would say something like, right now, you are saying no to me. Okay, so they are observing and describing. And what I want them to do is remove the emotional part of anything out of it and just state the facts. Observe and describe is such a powerful skill because what it does is it helps the child understand what is happening But sometimes they don't. They're just reacting, reacting, reacting. And this helps them focus in on what they're actually doing. So I'm going to have them do that. Observe and describe what they're doing at the moment. And then give them an instruction. And it needs to be very specific. For them, I need you to sit still 
and not talk. Okay? So sit still, not talk. Those are things that are very specific. Sit still. Now, you can even be more specific than that. I need you to put your arms to your sides and sit down. That would be even more specific. But the more specific you can be, the better. And the reason for that is you're going to observe what they're doing. You're going to give a small instruction to correct that that is very specific, okay, in order to engage with them, right? And what you're going to do at that point, and I told Janet and Ray, is they need to just repeat this. They need to repeat it and remove the emotional part of it. Because whenever you react emotionally to something that they're doing, and again, this is specific for this child, is it feeds into the negative attention. And again, she doesn't know negative and positive attention. She just wants attention. But it feeds that attention to continue to act out. So they need to be a robot in a way, communicating this with her so they're not feeding into the negative behaviors. So observe and describe, and then describe what she needs to do. So right now, you are screaming. For example, they would say, and I'm going to make up a name, say Haley. Haley, right now you are jumping on the chair. What you need to do is sit on the chair with your arms to your sides. Haley, what you're doing right now is jumping on the chair. What you need to do is sit down on the chair with your arms to your side. Haley, what you're doing right now, and this whole engagement is just consistently over and over and over again because she's not getting the attention she needs. And in order to get the attention that she wants, she is going to have to comply. And that's where once she does comply, even in a little way, you as a parent are going to give the attention that she needs for that. Okay? So she she does it. She sits down. She puts her arms to her side. Great job. Thank you so much for putting your hands to your side. That's fantastic. Thank you for following that instruction. That's great. Okay? And then you would build from there. Right now, you're sitting there with your arms to your side. What you need to do right now is take a deep breath. Then take a deep breath. So we're dealing very specifically on these behaviors because we're looking for compliance. We're looking for a way to help the child calm down and work through the issues that they are struggling with in a positive way. And then we are only going to reinforce her positive behaviors. We're only going to reinforce whenever she shows that she can follow the instructions that you are giving her. Okay, And it's going to take some time initially up front, but the same idea You're going to plant seeds right now, and this is going to make it easier in the future because she's going to recognize it in the future. If you consistently do this, and this is the way you are going to engage, what this does is it creates the environment in the home that, hey, if I act out, my parents are all of a sudden going to do this, and the faster I do this, the faster I get the attention that I need. So, With Janet and Ray, it's working specifically on this behavior, and then we're bringing her into compliance to a state where you can start to teach her, okay, when you feel frustrated, we need to find different ways for you to deal with your frustration. When you feel like acting out, what are some other things that we can do? And then you start building on from there and establishing an even stronger environment where your child and you can work through things. 
this is just the inception of a coaching session. And as we start to build, we're going to add on new components and things to adjust in order to help their child learn to control themselves. When they feel angry, what are some things they can do? You know, is it take a walk? Is it pet the dog? Is it go to their room for 30 minutes, read a book, listen to music? Is it, you know, what are some things that for their child is going to work? Because not everything is going to be the same for every child. I think that's what I love most about coaching is that it can be so specific to each family and to each child. When you call in and I can gather the information, it makes it so much easier to address these behaviors. And here on the podcast, I'm giving you ideas of what what's working with families. And I'm doing this in order to help you understand how you can implement this with your own if you decide to do this on your own. Just remember that. I do highly recommend you go back and listen, though, to Podcast 125, Skills Are the Solution, because that gives you an idea of what these skills are and your role as a parent in applying the artistic side of parenting to be more successful. So those are the things we covered today. What parents can do, establish an environment that is low stress for you, but that you know exactly what you're going to do every time the negative behavior happens. You need to do that for yourself, for yourself. The second thing is, where should our focus be? We should be focused on where we're at now and where we're headed and not stuck driving the car looking at the rearview mirror. We don't want to be there because that's a standstill. And then the last thing is, Addressing the child's behaviors using the skills. Observe and describe is over on the Smarter Parenting website. Now, if you jump over to the Smarter Parenting website, there are so many resources on there. There are video lessons that help you learn how to communicate, uh, effective consequences, um, rewards, how, how to make those work with your children. There are so many things that are available on the website that are for free. And that is made possible by the generous donations of sponsors to Smarter Parenting. And so we are so grateful for them for allowing us to do this. And if you need coaching, if you want to go through the coaching process, sign up for coaching. We have three different levels of coaching. You can self-coach on the silver level. There is the gold coaching where if you just need one coaching session a month, you can sign up for that. Or if you want to do the platinum level, you can sign up and you can have three coaching sessions a month, depending on your needs. We wanted to make this as simple as possible, and we wanted to be able to help as many families as possible through this whole process. So that's it for me for this week. If you have any questions, you know, send them over. I'd love to address them. And actually, I will revisit Janet and Ray. They've given me permission to share their information here on the podcast, but it'd be interesting to see how things progress with them in in the future. So great family. In fact, all the families that I'm coaching right now, they're just fantastic. I love them all. Okay, that's it for me, and uh, I will catch you next time. All right, bye.